Welcome to the Service Management Leadership Podcast with Jeffrey Tiefertiller. Hello, everyone. We're back with another Service Management Leadership Podcast Global ITAM Summit, joined by Pierce McDonald, Pamela Fulmer, Craig Garenti. Thank you all for coming back, audience and panelists. Let's jump straight in, just so not to uh, not to waste time with with extra words. So what guidance, we talked about software audits last time. So what guidance would you give organizations that are coming up for renewals with a major publisher? Renewals are this time where uh, the client, the big organization thinks that maybe I can save some money. The publisher thinks maybe I can make more money. Let's change the terms. Let's start with you, Craig. What what kind of uh, what kind of advice would you give? Well, I think that, like I said earlier, clients are looking to save money, and vendors want you to spend more money. And uh, you know, with Oracle, we, we have a saying: "There's no minus button on the Oracle calculators; it's just a plus button." So when we think about renewals, there's two types of renewals: there's your annual maintenance renewal, and then there's there's these unlimited license agreements, these big enterprise deals. And for those renewals, it's really important. Uh, to look a year before those contracts expire and have a plan to maximize your deployment and get out, right? So to certify your ULA, claim as many licenses as you're contractually allowed to, and then uh, be on your way, but make sure that you're in compliance and you're protecting yourselves when when Oracle gets there. Uh, The other thing I would say is don't expect the vendor to help you spend less money with them, Right. So if you want to spend less money with a vendor, make sure you have a plan to do it independent of asking for the vendor's help. Pamela? Well, I mean, one thing that we see is sometimes when you have renewals coming up, that makes someone, the company start thinking, well, maybe I'll cancel support, you know, and uh, that's a tricky thing. Okay. Because what we find is that if you, um, if you cancel your support, that's very likely to trigger an audit. Okay, and um, as a matter of fact, there's this case uh, that was recently brought by Fairview against Quest, where Fairview um, actually told Quest in December of 2019 that they were going to cancel maintenance and support, and literally, like the next day, they got an audit notice letter. Um, and after a couple of months, the, they came back and they said that they were uh, under licensed like 4.1 million dollars, and. Um, and, and Fairview filed a declaratory relief action. So, and they're alleging, you know, that there were a lot of improprieties in that audit. And so, so I think, you know, what, like what Craig mentioned, you really need to plan ahead, have a strategy. Don't wait to the last minute, because if you wait to the last minute and haven't negotiated it, you're going to get jammed and you're going to pay more money than you need to. Pierce. Um, I guess from the IBM perspective, uh, fortunately, IBM does have a minus button on their calculator. It's hidden on the back, though. You have to go look for it. So, um, and by that, I mean really that uh, to Pamela's point, first of all, and there's two kinds of renewal uh, in the IBM world. You have an SNS renewal, which um, if you're not in an ELA, uh, you actually have each year, and you do have a chance to reduce or to reinstate. And just knowing that alone, the fact that you can actually drop, reduce your numbers. If you suddenly find that you don't need, you know, 10,000 PBU because you've suddenly stopped using that product, um, there is an option to uh, cancel that SNS or to reduce it. 
And indeed, if you get the numbers wrong or you suddenly find you have growth, you do have, again, reinstatement. And even that in itself is a 40% saving, just playing around with that particular dial. But knowing, first of all, but also preparation, um, be it the annual one or your three-year ELA, you need to be preparing at least six months out. And uh, the first thing is assume you're going to get an audit that you're going to upset somebody because you're already in someone's sales pipeline for 40 plus on your previous uh, figure. So if you've spent a million a year, they're expecting you to turn 1.4 once this new ELA is signed. And if you're, that's not in your mind, then you need to be preparing accordingly. So preparation is absolutely critical and uh, not being afraid to look for the cancellations. Uh, the other thing too is this auto renewal business. Oh, that's what we always pay. The invoice comes in, you pay it, and some degree of reviewing that to see, actually, are we still using that? Or uh, can we reduce those numbers? But preparation is absolutely critical uh, in, when it comes to the renewal side of things. And it's also, it's all a negotiation. Every aspect of it is a negotiation uh, and never forget that. And I know too many that wait till 30 days out before the renewal and then it's too late. I see shaking of heads, but you know, they put on their calendars, each one and it's 30 days. And I appreciate you all's guidance, your wisdom to say, make it a year out. And that gives you time to get all six months, a year to get all your information, be prepared. So then you have a good, a good feel for things because Think about how this, this is my view, but think about how disruptive this year has been. If you would have put a 30 day notice on Cisco VPN, you would have, it would have gone bonkers because all these people now are working from home and uh, not that you could predict COVID, but a lot happens and you get distracted in those 30 days. So software licensing, what are some of the recent changes that the different publishers have made in the license agreements that organizations need to be aware of? Have there been any in you all's mind? Well, Oracle recently within the last year or so um, uh, revised their audit clause. And now they expressly provides that you have to run scripts. And, um, and then there's a very, um, you know, they're, they're basically trying to um, apply a confidentiality provision to the entire audit and that's because they're afraid of what happened in Mars, which is all of those, that correspondence from Oracle getting out into the public domain. So I would watch that and be very careful um, because, you know, if, if you do get into a dispute with a vendor, you know, part of your, you, you want to be able to take that to court, you want to get that out there. And, you know, you have leverage basically because of uh, the vendor's overreaches. Um, and so I would, you know, look carefully at any type of clause like that. And also I would be careful. We've seen Oracle trying to get now the customers to sign close letters. And if they're trying to do that, you know, be very careful as to what's in that close letter. Cause right, you know, it's been just a unilateral thing and they're trying to slip new, new things into those closed letters. Craig, do you want to add anything on the Oracle side? Well, you know, they're just constantly looking, they're, they're constantly tweaking their agreements. So in, on September 1st, um, they eliminated the ability for customers to buy term licenses, right? So one year, two year, three year, four year, five year licenses. So now everything's perpetual, right? And you always think about, well, why did they do that? It's not to make it easier for customers. It's because 
but was it an effective way for customers to mitigate non-compliance? That was an effective way for customers to spend less with Oracle. Uh, having perpetual um, is a way for customers to sort of um, mitigate the difference between a cloud purchase and a license purchase. So when they're closer together, you're more likely to buy the cloud. Uh, and they've done, they do things outside of the contract, right? So last year, they changed their technical support policies, which stated now you can only download X number of uh, files a day when you're on Oracle tech support, right? So who cares, right? Well, if you're moving to third-party support and now you want to download thousands of files, you know, now you're getting letters from Oracle legal. Hey, why are you doing this? That, and customers have no idea that because that's not in the four walls of the contract. It's in a URL, which is reference. And you got you to gotta know what's over there. And, you know, the auto renewals, um, things that they do in their tech support contracts. It's just constantly looking at what Oracle's doing across the totality of their agreements. Um, because, you know, you just have to make the mistake once and click I accept and then, you know, you're stuck. How about you, Piers? Um, it's funny, a lot has changed and very little has changed in the IBM world. And this is because um, IBM have been way ahead of the other vendors with regard to this URL-based agreements and virtual agreements. Um, it is constantly changing. Literally, every time a new product is released, you have to, you cannot assume that, oh, this product is the same as last time. It changes by the version. You have to go back up to the website and see what the new terms and conditions are for that particular product, because it certainly isn't going to be in any agreement. It's going to be on a website somewhere that, unless you're pretty familiar with looking for it, is not easily found. The classic example from my world is the bundling licensing rules, where you get free products and not free products. And if you, depending on how you uh, count them, you can reduce your bill by a million or it goes up by a million. And the same goes for, yes, there's been changes in the password advantage agreements and uh, they, they've been coming through. The audit clauses have been fortified in there. They've actually been brought down from the higher level agreements. They're now into the purchase agreements and the, P, and the password advantage agreements. And the wording is basically making it much more difficult to avoid an audit and uh, making it very much the responsibility. And um, so that part, but also, as I said, it, this, this shift towards click license agreements where you don't even have a choice. If you sign the SNS in an IBM agreement, you've agreed whether you know it or not, to all the new terms and conditions. You may never even seen them. And so that's what I would say. It is constantly changing. And when a new, uh, the ELA, by the way, is only about the third tier up. You've got two or three layers below this that you never even see when you think you're negotiating an ELA um, that are also changing. And you just need to be watching these on a regular basis. And that gets back to my, I guess, you need a professional periodically and certainly when you're about to make some big decisions like signing a new, a new ELA to just look through the whole thing top to bottom for you and uh, getting a Pamela or someone like that in to check through things because a lot has changed and you won't even see it uh, you'll need the expert eye. Just a little bit of prevention is better than a lot of cure at the end. And Indeed. So, so let's talk you mentioned the Mars case Pamela and this is for you know we'll go around the horn, but what are some of the more other interesting uh, situations, cases that you've seen that you can comment on? I know legal uh, prevent, you know, there's some prevention there, but is there, are there other, so I think we all benefit from hearing stories of other companies. That's my, my baseline on a lot of things. 
what are, uh, or do you have any stories that are entertaining or interesting that you'd like to share or can? Well, I, I wouldn't want to share like my specific right. um, clients, but, but looking out there, I mean, there's just so much litigation right now. And, you know, I'm seeing a trend in terms of Oracle ERPs installations. They're, they're getting sued a lot because, you know, they're promising a lot of stuff uh, and, and they aren't delivering according to these lawsuits. And then at the same time, they've done something really sneaky, which is that, um, at least in my view, um, some of these customers um, who basically Oracle went out and pitched, you know, like, hey, we've got the solution. And, and then the customer wasn't even looking to buy it. And then the customer got talked into it. There were a bunch of promises made, not delivered. Um, but part of the contracts, they financed some of it through Oracle's uh, OCC, which is their financing arm. Well, Oracle OCC, what they've done is they've now they assign those contracts a few months down the road to banks, okay? And then it turns out that Oracle doesn't deliver. The client never gets what they paid for, but Oracle's assigned the financing contract to some other third party. And the third party then sues the poor company who you know, is dealing with an ERP installation that went awry. And they now apparently have to pay you know, this other bank. And so customers are fighting back on that. And they're saying that this is not what's called a hell or high water type contract where you have to pay it no matter what. That the overreaches by, and the misrepresentations by Oracle or whatever software vendor it is, you know, should act in a way that that third party bank can't enforce that financing agreement against, you know, the poor company that didn't get what they paid for. So we're seeing a lot of that right now. Um, there was an IBM case that I blogged about where it was actually a whistleblower case brought under the False Claims Act, um, where the IBM, the whistleblower worked for IBM and the things that IBM did to the Internal Revenue Service were so bad during this audit that the Internal Revenue Service paid a ton of money, okay, that they, they shouldn't have paid for. It was like, it was very bad. And it ended up that the whistleblower lost that suit, <laughs> which was shocking. And now that's on appeal. Um, and we're gonna have oral arguments uh, in that actually coming up. And so I'll be reporting back on, on that. But you know, there's just so much and I do monitor these lawsuits and you know, I do like to, to write on it. So people in the industry have found my blog interesting and. If there are certain things, certain types of lawsuits that people would like to hear about, I'm happy to go out and look for those and, and you know, blog on those as well. How about you, Pierce? Um, I suppose without getting into the specifics, probably the most common scenario that I come across is uh, very poorly implemented instances of ILMT. And for those not fully familiar with ILMT, it is a, a tool used for measuring the deployment of software when it comes to IBM. And if you wish to take advantage of subcapacity licensing, which all large organizations do, if you want to run software on a virtualized environment, you must use subcapacity licensing. And with a, it's, it's just shocking how badly it's implemented. And the reason I say this, the way I can compare it is, it's a bit like saying, install Microsoft Word on your computer 
and writing a book. One is just purely the tool, and the other one is what you do with them, the creativity you, and I do use the word creativity, by the way, in terms of configuring it. Uh, and that can be, uh, the most extreme examples are in the tens of millions. If you just install the default install and leave it there, first of all, you're probably already out of compliance, but the default install is so skewed in IBM's favor that you're going to be paying hugely over. And uh, just by coming in and maintaining and managing that. And I have, I, I can safely say this, I have yet to have an example, and I've reviewed a lot of ILMT instances where the overages or the license demand, the number was way higher in the order of millions, literally and almost, maybe it's because I'm dealing with just larger projects, but it is always of a huge overage. And uh, so if my, anyone out there right now, if your company is running ILMT, I can tell you right now, you could be a hero. Go in there and just spend some time figuring out how it's maintained and get some help or get busy on the IBM website. It will be badly configured. It is a sure thing. Unless an expert has looked at it, there is an opportunity. And the number and it is literally of the order of millions. And this is kind of where we were in the last episode is this is a business problem that's solved with technology, not a technology problem. And so... Hmm. Craig, how about you? Any, uh, you, you know, you, you have to have good stories. I've got amazing stories. <laughs> um, I think my favorite, um, it, and it happens once or twice a year, is I'll get a call from an Oracle sales rep. And this happened, I think it was the last time it happened was in April. So at the end of May is Oracle's end of fiscal year. So a random Oracle executive sales rep will call me up. Sometimes I know them. Sometimes they just find out about us. And the one from this uh, spring was, Craig, I need you to help my customer because they're being audited by Oracle. I was like, oh, okay. Um, and, and I was like, don't, don't you work for Oracle? Like what's going on here? He's like, yep, but I'm trying to sell them cloud and the on-prem license team is auditing them. And I think it's, and you know, there was some profanity um, and I think it's nonsense and uh, they really need some help. So I gave the client your name, you go protect them from that audit so that they can buy my stuff. <laughs> it's like, okay. So, um, I, and I just, you know, listen, I don't work for you. I'm not gonna report back to you. I'm not gonna, you know, if the client calls me, that's great. I will happily help them. I'm gonna also let them know that you called me. He's like, yep. Just make sure my boss doesn't know that I called <laughs> Oracle doesn't really call me up very much, but okay. So that'll happen um, once in a while. We had another one um, where in the summer recently, I got a call from a, a Oracle salesperson. He's like, you know, I just heard you were helping this customer with their ULA. And uh, I'm just really happy that they're getting expert advice. I was like, okay, and I didn't know this person. And then two weeks later, I got a call from him. He was so mad at me. I'm like, what, what's going on? Like, and he's like, well, I was so happy. I got on our sales call and all the sales reps and I told my boss, good news. This customer's getting help with their ULA. And, and the boss is like, great, who's helping them? He goes, Palisade Compliance. <laughs> His boss ripped him a new one, right? On <laughs> everybody, like, what are you crazy? They're gonna certify their ULA now. So, which they did. Uh, so he was really mad at me for some reason. Like, I, I didn't even know this guy. So uh, it's really funny, um, you know, cause we, you know, we love talking to Oracle when they want to talk to us. And sometimes 
we help them uh, make lots of money because the client's out of compliance. And sometimes we help them not make lots of money because we're defending that client. So um, it, it's really interesting. And, and there's a lot more, uh, but we, we could talk about that a long time. <laughs> Great story. So COVID shaped and impacted all of us, no matter whether you're in Dublin, Ireland, Pierce, or uh, Pamela's in the Bay Area, Craig's in the New York City area, I'm in the middle of the U.S. COVID shaped how we look at things. How's COVID changed the climate for software? Because I think it's also going to be baked in to how contracts, how they're enforced, how they're written going forward. Uh, start with you, uh, Craig. What do you, do you have thoughts on, on this? I'm sure you do. Yeah, well, you know, at first, we, nobody knew, right? March, April. So I think as a company, as a business, we did what many businesses do. Uh, we cut our spending, you know, outside contractors, events, things like that. We sort of, um, and, you know, unfortunately we've had a few of our clients go out of business and declare bankruptcy. So that was not good for us. Um, I think Oracle uh, really uh, in many cases pushed back or pulled back a little bit when customers would say, hey, you know, we've got this big issue. We can't deal with this audit. Not that the audit went away, it just got delayed. So my expectation is come January um, that Oracle will hit the gas on the audits. And we've seen Oracle use partners more than before on audits. So I think as Oracle trims its sales and has less people on staff, they're looking at outside contractors, different ways to audit. Um, you know, and in a sense, it really has, you know, we're sort of a work from home culture in, in our company. Our clients have adapted to that. So our business is not worse or better. Um, our clients have been impacted a lot more than we have. Um, and I think, you know, good on Oracle that they pulled back a little bit. And, but I don't expect that kind of gentler Oracle to last much longer. How about you, Pierce? Um, in the IBM space, uh, things very much went quiet for Q3, Q2, Q3. Um, I am seeing a typical amount of audit traffic in terms of the usual activity going on. But to follow up on Craig's point there, I um, expect all that has happened is they've just held back. And I've got this back feedback from other consultants in the space and within the vendors themselves. A lot of people are saying, hold on, pull back, save this one for, you know, for 2021. Not the least which most organizations, and I'll be honest with you, it's a defense I have suggested to my own clients is tell them to go away until 2021. We're in a crisis right now. Don't even try. And in many cases, that actually has worked. In some cases, they've decided it suits us to uh, do the deal and do the audit this year because let's be honest, don't waste a good crisis is another adage. And um, and someone would take that to wash out all sorts of problems in their industry and in their business. Um, and at an IBM level, that's certainly the case. Um, they're also, I'm seeing early certification. So if you've got a, a, a U, an ELA and it's due to in March or in June, and you declare it to be certified in 2020, you can get a fantastic deal because a lot of IBM consultants, our sales guys are missing their number and they will take advantage of that and not to be uh, ignored if you're ready for it, if you've done the numbers. And on a general level, it's uh, clearly to shift the cloud. And if I was saying from a SAM perspective, companies will need to seriously look at their cloud asset management because you're moving from perpetual licenses and um, on-prem to this huge move over to OPEX 
to cloud spend and you better have the skills and the processes uh, in place to manage that because that's where the money is going. And um, many organizations are not managing that well. And there's a, it's a different skill set that needs to be thought about. Oh, yes. uh, Pamela? So we're, we're still handling multiple audits, you know, even through COVID. Um, and if, you know, if a company is having a difficult time because of COVID, you know, uh, responding and getting something, then we want to document that. We want to talk to the software publisher. Um, you know, the thing not to do is you don't go radio silent and ignore the, the thing. You know, you get back in touch and you, you know, explain what's going on and that you're trying to cooperate because, you know, in the case of Oracle, for example, there has to be reasonable cooperation uh, and assistance in the provision of information, but it can't unreasonably interfere with your normal business operations. So if an audit, if Oracle's auditing a customer and the customer because of COVID is having a hard time, that's a, that's a very good reason to push back, you know? So, so we are seeing that I think with COVID, and now, now I'm not talking about these specific publishers, but people should be pulling out their entitlements, you know, for all of their software because, you know, there are, for example, some software vendors that provide that, you know, in order to use certain software, you have to be at your office in front of your computer. Well, if you're accessing that, you know, from home, that could be a breach. And so, what I'm expecting is there's going to be a huge uh, wave of audits next year and potential litigation arising out of audits. And I believe that because of COVID, companies are really hurting and they're just not going to have the money, you know, where they'll pay the $10 million when they really only, only owe two. So I said, I think we're going to see a lot more fighting. Well, that's, these are interesting points. So a few weeks ago, it's probably been a month, on this podcast, we had Jim Ryan, the CEO of Flexera. Great conversation. Jim, uh, you know, of course, he's, he has a brand that he believes in, and he's talking about it. And he talked about the convergence of, and Pierce, you went there just a minute ago, the convergence of cloud and software asset management. Those are kind of bringing in together. They're becoming one. They're not two separate deals, two separate thought process, two separate technologies, they're, they're really one. How are companies, how are clients supposed to try to deal with this? Because, you know, Oracle or Microsoft or even IBM, is, it's now the shift to bring these two worlds together into one. And you mentioned the Cap, uh, CapEx OpEx. It's a shift in mindset and finance. It's a shift in so many ways. How would, how would you advise companies to deal with that peers to me um well first of all there's another one don't forget hardware asset management yeah. or ham here so you've got the triple play here of sam ham and cam cloud and these are all coming together because of i've been i guess surfaced more so than ever because of COVID. uh hardware asset management it kind of used to be a case that it was in the office and tracking the asset, you ran the scanning tool, SCCM or whatever it was, land sweeper, and you collected the information, no big deal. Now it's become hugely more complex because first of all, you got, everyone's got mobile assets. Everyone's working potentially from home. Uh, there could be uh, the specs of different things, the information. So that's a whole area, but from an asset management point of view, 
not just the financial value of that asset, the data, the data risk around that asset has become a thing. Um, on the SAM side of things, the problems we've all talked about are still there. What I would say in terms of approaching this is, first of all, you need to take it seriously. Do not ignore it. Historically, there was a, the IT guys have got it. They do a check every now and again. Once a year, we do a count of our devices and you know buy some new ones if we have to. And similarly with the software, it is moving much more from a tactical and a technical exercise up to a strategic and to a very mature capability because the stakes are very high. And that's what I would say. The first COVID here is bringing it to the front. We need to take it seriously. The stakes, the money involved is many, many millions and the risks accordingly match that and becoming more professional as an organization. Very large organizations have these capabilities already there, but I would say less large, when I say small organizations, the 10,000 employees and less, which are not that small, um, but they would be small for a lot. Uh, they need to take it more seriously. Um, there is a last piece that I would add into the mix. There is now going to be a new emergence, and I believe SAM as a managed service is now going to become a thing because there's just so much to manage and uh, and the complexity of managing multiple vendors. It's going to get to a point where businesses are going, this is not our core business. You know, managing my Oracle estate or managing my Microsoft estate, why am I managing my cloud, multiple cloud contracts? And yes, there are millions of dollars going out the door each month to cover these, why are we trying to manage it? We're an engineering company. We're an aeronautics company. We're a whatever company. That is where I think uh, a new trend is. It, it is. it was already there. And in my world, it's the IASP from IBM. But I see that becoming a new standard. If And cloud in particular makes that much more accessible and much more manageable for companies to outsource. That's how I'd approach it. Uh, that's a great answer. Craig, how do you see the convergence of cloud and software asset management? Well, it's, it's, um, it's a risk and an opportunity for clients when we look at it from the SAM filter, let's say. Um, obviously, it, it's a risk in that it's a little more complex, right? So you thought license, managing your on-prem licenses was difficult. Now you've got to deal with this whole extra layer of it's in the cloud. Um, and, you know, Pamela brought it up before, you know, some of these licenses that clients have, you know, it, it sort of has to be on premise or you have to be in your office, right? And now uh, people are doing things in their business that is uh, causing them to go out of compliance. But it is also an opportunity. You've got some really old legacy agreements with vendors. Most of the time those vendor, those agreements are better than the ones you could sign today, but sometimes they're not. So it's yeah. a good way to shed some costs. It's a good way to sort of start, start fresh um, if, if you like, but um, you know, my advice is just go in eyes wide open, right? So there's going to be pluses and minuses. You know, we use a CRM tool here. I don't have a server with the CRM tool. We use one of these SaaS providers and, and we get the renewal 90 days before and we don't really have a choice on, you know, if, if we want to not use that vendor, well, it ties into five other SaaS vendors that we have because we've built these integrations for workflow, right? So we're sort of stuck. And, and I, you know, I use us as an example to these really large companies, like that's fine that you want to go down that path, but you know, here are the pluses and minuses of, of doing that. So as long as people have the information they need, um, you know, just go in eyes wide open and, and make the best of it. How about you, Pamela? So I'm definitely seeing uh, audits being used to drive customers into the cloud. So, you know, into like subscription models. Um, and, uh, and so, and I'm also seeing 
you know, companies using audits to try to amend the contracts and more in their favor. And those are things that have to be, you know, resisted. Um, don't, you know, when you finally get the, the um, audit resolved, you know, you have to really be careful what you're signing. You should really review that, make sure they're not slipping in new provisions, amending the contract. You know, in the case of Oracle, they try to get into your business, how your environment is configured. Um, that's something that we recommend that you resist and that if you, you know, don't amend that in. Um, so yeah, so we're seeing audits being used um, in a lot of ways to, to pressure customers in new contracts and into the cloud. And I think that people have to very, very thoughtfully think about if that model is best for them. I, this is a great discussion. So last question, I know everybody cares about how do I save money? And on that Jim Ryan conversation, I threw out that I've seen organizations save 30% on implementing some SAM, whether it's on, we think of the life cycle, right? It's the negotiations out front. It's the understanding what we need, our entitlements, our usage against those, the renewals, defending against an audit. Some of those numbers are actually quite bigger than 30%, quite larger. So uh, let me start with Pam. Have you seen those types of savings, A, and B, any tips, tricks, thoughts that you would have on that? And then we'll go to Pierce and then Craig to finish this up. You know, it, that, that particular area is more of the expert's expertise than my expertise, you know? Um, so I would say that I haven't spent a lot of time, you know, thinking about that to, to be quite frank, but um, I would just say that from my perspective, you know, you need to get people, and, and this has been very clear from our conversation today, you need to bring in the experts. And whether that's a mix of legal and technical or just technical or just legal, um, although we do retain technical experts, you need to get them in and that's how you're gonna save yourself a lot of money. And to piggyback on that, because I appreciate Pam saying, that's not my lane, my lane's over here. <laughs> On a, even on an audit or a renewal, legal help can save you lots of money so that you're not locked into something that you don't really want. And so I want to give her her due there. Uh, Pierce? Um, well, to give Pamela her dues, uh, when we work with the legal teams, particularly on cloud contracts, they can be an absolute godsend because... When it comes to cloud agreements, it's all about the agreement and nothing to do really with the, the usage is the usage and getting those terms and conditions, those exclusion clause and protections in, in worded in a way that uh, protects you is invaluable when it comes to cloud agreements. So I, I, you're playing yourself down there a little bit, Plamela. Um, but uh, in the IBM space, it's uh, first of all, I'd say don't ever waste a crisis. And right now you have a chance in your organization to uh, shake things up a little bit or to at least challenge things. And in particular with the vendors, what used to be a, a default renewal or a just resign, whatever else, you, get, you, have, you have very strong grounds to, to shake that a little bit and to push back and say, actually, no, I want, a, I want a better deal. We need the discounts. That's just a standard pushback or ask, as they say, uh, you, you, if you don't ask, you won't get. And right now I'm seeing my customers just asking and they are getting because the vendors want the deals. But in simple terms, when it comes to saving money, it's very easy. Prepare. You just 
don't leave it to the last minute. You just get yourself organized. You prepare six to 12 months out. 12 is good, particularly if you're signing a three-year agreement. Six is about enough. And bring expertise in. It's not a pride thing. We just know more. And when I say you, I use the royal we in terms of the expertise, be it Craig, be it Pamela, myself, whoever it is, they will come in. We've seen it all. We know the tricks. We know the clauses, the standard stuff you will not think of as a client. And they are literally, you can see the meter ticking down with every suggestion that comes in. It drops another 5%, 10%. Um, and it's, it's not that we're geniuses. It's just we have done it so many times and we've seen so many agreements and we, 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 we live and breathe this stuff. Preparation coupled with experts to support you, it's a sure thing. It really is. And it's, a, it's of an order 20, 30% easily. And it's, depending on the agreements and particularly the product mix can be a lot more sometimes because we'll know things about which products are being highly bonused. We'll know which ones are uh, high uh, interest products that they want you to move to. We also know the ones where there's no flexibility and what concessions to make and what not to make, um, what's, what are gimmies uh, to, to keep the conversation going and where should you never cross, where you don't stir or you don't move on. And the little gotchas, the clauses, the catches. Um, as I said, it's not because licensed experts are particularly more clever than anyone else. We've just seen it so many more times, that's all. So pre preparation and bringing expertise. Craig? So, you know, we have uh, three steps that we walk clients through uh, for cost reduction or cost avoidance. Uh, step number one is stop spending more money, right? If you're gonna use more of the vendor stuff, you, you can't expect cost reductions, right? So you sort of have to stop the bleeding first. And that could be certify out of your ULA. It could be get out of this audit without a non-compliance finding. Uh, it could be optimize your existing licenses so you don't have to make that next purchase, right? And I think, Pam, I'm going to join with the boys here. And this is particularly where we see uh, legal involved. And I've seen you, you know, really help customers here is, is avoid spending money. So that's number one. Uh, number two is once you're stable, once you're in that position of compliance, of usage stability, then you figure out a way how to save money, you know, whether it's reducing licenses or renegotiating or entering into a different agreement or migrating or swapping out technologies or moving to Romini Street or what have you. Um, and then the third thing you have to do is protect that savings, right? Because the vendor is always going to come back and, and want that money. So, so um, you know, so stop using more, figure out the way to save, and then protect those savings. It's and it's clear every day. I can always save customers money on Oracle. I can 100% of the time, but sometimes it's not the right thing for them, right? So yeah, stop doing this thing, and then they come up and say, yeah, but that will hurt my business. Okay, so it's it's really got to be a way to save money that is in line with their business goals and their digital transformations. So this has been a great conversation and I thank you three plus Rory who is worth us for the first episode. And so those of you listening, uh, look for us on LinkedIn and in the groups we'll have everyone tagged. You'll see uh, banners, posters with each of their names and their, co their companies and their bios. So look out for each one. And I wanna thank Pierce, Pamela and Craig for your time. Uh, hopefully it's been great for everyone and uh, I'd love to do this again. Bye everyone. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Hello, this is Jeffrey. I'm back with closing thoughts on our second episode of 
this ITAM, global ITAM summit, IT Asset Management Summit. It has replaced our podcast for the last two weeks, but it has been awesome to discuss software asset management and IT asset management with these true knowledgeable professionals. We discovered, we discussed tops, topics this week like renewals of your software licenses, where last week we discussed about audits. This week was about renewals, had some great stories about uh, what our experts have encountered in the IT asset world, especially with software. Some of those were awesome stories, weren't they? And we closed with talking about how to save money and referred back to our conversation on the podcast with Jim Ryan, CEO of Flexera. And we, we, we do like the Flexera tool. We are partial at, at uh, our company, service management leadership. We do like that tool. We like a lot of tools. But when we think about our previous episode and what Rory said about it's a process and people thing more than a tool. The tool helps, it enables, it supports. In this episode, we talked about companies that can save 20, 30, 40% on their software assets, their software licensing and all of that sort of thing. And one of the, one of the thoughts that came out, and I wanted to say how we at Service Management Leadership can support you and your organization in finding these savings. But one of the topics that came out was you have to find somebody that's a expert. You have to find somebody that knows what they're doing. Many times internal clients, internal organizations do not have the skills, do not have the, the experience to go find the savings. And that's why we have this as a service offering, and that's why we're happy to help. One of the other things is if it gets to a point to where it's out of our depth, we will gladly recommend and point you in the direction of somebody that's an expert in their field, like Pamela in the legal field, Craig in Oracle. There's other Oracle people out there that are really good, but Craig's awesome, isn't he? And uh, Pierce and IBM, there's many other areas out there that requires specialization. And these people are awesome at what they do. If you look down wherever you're listening or watching this, I have contact info for each of our guests, our panelists, and please look up their company and see what they do. I wanna give them all the kudos. And we at Service Management Leadership are here to support you if you have any issues. Hopefully you enjoyed it. If you did, leave us feedback because we're thinking, can we do this again? Should we do this again? Help us, help sway us by uh, leaving feedback and having a great response. And I hope you have a great, great day.